0: Hey, hey, PodNuttyans, welcome to Android App Addicts, episode 123, 123. Uh, this show is brought to you by Chad Baker. I want to say thank you very much to Chad Baker. If you would like to uh, help support this show, it's very easy. Patreon.com slash the Show. <clears throat> Link will be in the notes. Uh, this week, I am joined by 8-Bit eight uh, Brett. How's everything going, man? Going
1: pretty good. How about you? Um, well... Actually, yeah. How are you doing? You always uh, take the last shot. So I'll let you go first this time.
0: I'm just in pain. Uh, I got now 10 days. I want to say 10, maybe 11 days left. Then I'm going to have my surgery on my forearm. Um, Even if worst case, well, worst case scenario is I die during the surgery because there's always risk, just like driving to the store. Um, But worst case, normal scenario, I just won't be able to pick up something above a cup of coffee for like um a couple weeks with my left hand so um that's not that for only a couple weeks though um maybe less than that is what they're hoping oh that's
1: good that's good to hear
0: yeah so hopefully that's like the worst of it except for that just uh you know churning through the days uh taking naps when applicable it seems like at least when i sleep i don't feel pain so i like naps
1: yeah naps are good i've been uh dealing with uh a lot of sleeping stuff myself but uh that might be a story for another day until I find out what's going on.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, you have anything new in the uh, mini PC uh, Raspberry Pi type world?
1: Um, I've been messing around with uh, my um, ESP32s and the Raspberry Pis. Um, I actually have been messing around a lot with Home Assistant still. It is way more than anyone needs, but it's... Everything is so. There's so much to it that anyone can do anything, and the normal person like me can do anything they want. You know, um, so far I have a a few of my lights all automated. Um, I have a door lock on my RV that is I I'm not quite finished with it, but I have a door lock on my RV that uses a self-powered ESP32 and a capacitive fingerprint sensor, like on some of the older cell phones. Well, not, I don't want to say older, but pre on-screen um, on-screen uh, fingerprint readers. So um, basically, it's a um, something went went up with the uh, stream. But basically, it's a uh, it's a oh, there we go. Okay, so um, I forgot what I was saying now. Oh yeah, fingerprint reader. Um, so I have this fingerprint reader that when uh, when I put my fingerprint on it it unlocks my door. But let's say it doesn't recognize it. Um, Then it will ring the doorbell on the inside of the RV, take a picture with a little uh, ESP camera, and then send it to me if I'm not in the vicinity. If I'm in the RV, it'll send it via um, LAN. But if I'm outside of the RV, it'll send it via text message. So if someone's at my front door and I'm in a store, um, I can then... uh, mess around with that and, uh, you know, kind of tell them back off.
0: Well, that definitely doesn't sound simple um, to do. I mean, uh, I'm going to guess Home Assistant helped with some of the heavy heavy lifting. Um, ESP Home is
1: something that was just bought by Home Assistant. ESP Home is basically a less coding version of the ESP32, and it works directly with Home Assistant. That's been mainly what I've been using. Um, and yes, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not simple. It's, it's becoming more than I, uh, more than I would like to admit. Um, but it is going to be really neat because I can also use a different fingerprint, like a different finger to have it do something else, you know? So like if I, if, you know, the one fingerprint locks it, the other one unlocks it, or, you know, one sets off an alarm or, you know, all this, you know, random, random stuff. But, uh, I love the idea of having a fingerprint sensor on my door just because I'm a dork.
0: Well, it's cool. Definitely cool. Um, and I will say the thing that I am impressed with when I look at the ESP, it's the ecosystem because the hardware is just the hardware. I like how it's low priced, but it at least has what I consider to be a fairly active ecosystem. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. And I'm just wondering with the Raspberry Pi Pico, um, how, it's going to spin up quick with the amount of people doing stuff with that one. But the question is, I don't know if it's going to actually pull people away from ESP or not. I do think it will bring in completely new people. I
1: agree. Um, so I haven't done much research on the Pico yet. Um, I think there's a Wi-Fi shield for it. Um, I don't think it has Wi-Fi built into it, right?
0: I don't think it does, no.
1: Yeah. So I remember seeing something about a Wi-Fi shield. That, but the Pico is its a good device and it's already like you said it's spinning up quick um a lot of people are already jumping into the options um there's there's a lot more um there's a lot more programming languages that you can use with it um if i remember right the the way you uh it's not just a arduino based system you can do um python and there was
0: what else was it there was
1: uh I forgot what else, but I was talking to a guy about it, and he said there's so much you can do on it.
0: Yeah, I want to say you can do a version of C+, I think, Uh, the MicroPython, and there was still something else you could do with it. Um, And just a little quick tangent, which is a stupid tangent. Um, Microsoft is releasing a tool. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, It's going to integrate with VS Code and uh, Visual Studio Code where it's going to try to in it's going to be like an inline a they call it like an inline ai helper that when you're writing code it will intelligently suggest how to complete what you're typing um the beta testers who have used it in regards with python and c sharp said it definitely sped up their coding process it's just one of those things um I like when Microsoft comes out with those kinds of things because then it puts like a flagpole up, telling the open source world, yeah, step up or you're going to get left behind."
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, the that sounds really interesting. That's that sounds really nice, especially for someone like me that is very um, not a very good coder and not a very uh, um, I'm not well versed in in anything other than Arduino. And even then, you know, I know how to I can edit code. You know, but having something that would help me, you know, it would almost be like a tutor. You know, that'd be nice.
0: Yeah, it's called um, GitHub. Oh, um, it just said it. Opening it to generate its own code. What's been in the search oh. results? Copilot. Sorry, it's called Copilot. Oh, okay. Long and the short of it is another tangent. There's uh, two main solutions out there on the horizon that is literally trying its best to change how everything is done in computing. There's no code solutions and there's low code solutions. Um, This has the power to take even something low code and make it even simpler to use. And it has the ability to take high code code environments and literally make them much easier, much closer to something I would consider to be low code. Um, So this is the kind of thing, I love lowering the barrier of entry for just one reason. It enables people with passion the ability to get things done without having to spend 10,000 hours devoted to yeah. figuring something out.
1: Well, that's that's like me. That's, you know, I'm I'm I, I really like all this, but, you know, it's 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 the learning the learning the coding is has always been my for some reason. I've never been able to, you know, actually sit down and learn how to code legitimately, you know, and it's it's frustrating that and PCB boards. That's my those are my two kryptonites actual, like, real hardcore coding and making my own PCBs.
0: Gotcha. Well, I mean, I don't want to say this is going to be like Star Trek The Next Generation, but I do think we are going to get to a point to where uh, we're we're only going to have to know uh, basic things in order to get really complicated things done. Um, Yeah. Granted, we are going to still have to have, like, the high-end coders in the back developing these kinds of things. But I don't want to say we're not going to need as many of them, but to accomplish Great things. I don't think we will need as many of them.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that. I've been uh, I've been slowly seeing how things just change from hey, you know, in order to do this, you need to, you know, code yourself to you know libraries to just different things that make it easier and easier. Little plugins, little this, little that, and then the AI AI assistant thingy um, is just the next step, you know, and it makes sense because. Um, if a if a machine can know what you want, it's kind of scary that it can make it happen. But, you know, at the same time, it's like it's, it's nice for
0: good things. Yeah, yeah. I want to take one other quick tangent really quick. It's only because I was actually impressed um, on modern distributions, whether it is Windows or it is Linux, you get pop-ups after boot, typically shortly after boot, telling you there's a system-wide upgrade or there's some kind of update that you have to do in order to stay current. Um, the other day, I want to say yesterday, when I launched up Twister OS, I literally had a little pop-up window, and it's called Twister Patch, uh, Twister OS Patcher, which I don't think is a great name, but who am I to say? Um, but it popped up and said there's a update available. Um, it, I missed it before it went away, so I had to go to the corner, go to the main menu, go down to System and say Twister OS Patcher, click that, and it literally did like a normal, in air quotes, system update and then it was done and asked me to reboot. And it worked just seamlessly, flawlessly fine, is the way I'll put it. Um, I I don't want to say this is the most mature desktop-like operating system I've witnessed on a Raspberry Pi.
1: I I mean, for for what I've used, it kind of is. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm forgetting about something. But I love Twister OS. It's super stable, and I didn't even know about the patcher. Well,
0: it's, uh, it's heavy where it can be heavy. It's light where it needs to be light. Um, it, it tries to be easy. I'll give it that. Um, like, to install almost anything, whether it is uh, the Android screen duplicator, uh, whether it be Vulkan backend, whether it be uh, RetroPie, everything seems like it's less than two clicks away. Even if you want to install VS Code or VS Codium, it gives you the options for all those kinds of things. And it's very few clicks away is what I'll say
1: yeah um i've been uh i've been on and off for twister os ever since i think it's been a while i've been using it but it's it's always been just it works the way it needs to um and speaking of little updates um well not little i'm actually i'm i'm sorry to say i'm a windows user um i i wish I could do linux but i'm too lazy to uh find everything that works better on linux than on on a Windows machine, you know, um, but I actually upgraded Windows 11 on the Dev channel. Um, I guess there was a, a leak, of, a leak of an ISO uh, about a week or so ago, and then uh, then they came out and brought up a uh, an actual Dev version of it that was in the Windows Insider. And like you said, the upgrade. I upgraded without a, without um, my power plugged in, and started at seventy percent. It upgraded. I don't know, I started at 85% on one of my laptops, upgraded, no no problems, all the drivers pulled in, all the everything worked. And I was at sixty three percent when I started when I was done installing. And you know, it's just it's a good upgrade, but it's just crazy how seamless the upgrade was. I've never wanted to do anything other than a fresh install because you know, upgrades usually especially from just distribution upgrade or Uh, os upgrades they're just it's usually easier to install the brand new version of it from scratch new can pave rather than uh rather than upgrading but no this was this was pretty good
0: well with with every version of it it seems like every operating system the base requirements become simpler and less um the install wizard or actually the backbone of how the installations happen become much more efficient as well i mean Quite literally, installing Windows 95 off of floppy drives took like an hour and a half. Um, And then they finally figured out how to properly use um, media. And then they decided back in Windows 10 days to basically use a disk image and intelligently put the disk image right overlapping files that it could safely overwrite. Um, I will say uh, I don't have a single piece of hardware in my house except for my work computer that can support Windows 11. I'll just say if you take a look at the actual screens and file systems and stuff like that, literally almost nothing has changed in windows since 95, except for a flatter look and more white space. Um, it, they're more friendly towards high DPI is really the biggest difference in the whole thing. And a lot of people say how they're trying to look like Mac OS X. And Oh, definitely. Well, I understand why they say that it's because they don't remember open box from like 98. Um,
1: I don't even know what OpenBox is. What is it,
0: it, the it, it? It's just an extremely old um, Linux desktop environment. And to me, when they when they when I saw it, I saw an extremely flat, no like drop shadow thing on the desktop with a very crappy looking bare dock where there's no even edges on the dock. It goes straight to the edges for some stupid reason. Um, and it just looked flat, and it looked like something that I would run on Linux back in like '98 or 2000.
1: Yeah, um, I can definitely see the the whole centerization. Um, I actually had a buddy that uh, that I was I was hanging out with while we were upgrading. It was it was a total nerd night, and we were just talking talking computers and upgrading Windows at the same time. And one of the things that bothered him the most, and it bothers me now, is the fact, like you said, it goes all the way across. It's not a real dog. It's not it's not a real you know. It it should have space. Even if it's just a different color, it should have space between. It should have, you know, something in between that makes it look neater. You know, right now it's just a centered Windows 10. You know, it, it looks cleaner. Um, they brought back Windows 7 widgets, which you can't put on the desktop for some reason yet, which bothers me a lot. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I'm running it on uh, one of my new laptops and I have it running three screens. Everything on it seems to be nice. I have a couple games that I played on it. Um, I guess if you upgrade it, it gives you Xbox Pass for like three months for a dollar, the Ultimate or whatever. So it's really nice. So I got a few games free and, you know, but yeah, it's just, it's different, but it's still Windows. You know, it's still always going to be, you know, Windows, which I, I really, I see, well, I also heard that they're porting and that they're uh, building a kernel based on uh, an Android kernel for it that will let, um, the Amazon Web Store come in, which then 20 minutes later, the, the Google Play Store will be on it.
0: Well, um, they killed Windows 10X, which was supposed to be their Chromebook in air quote competitor. Um, yeah. Which was the Neo or the Duo. I want to say the Duo was the phone. The Neo was the Chromebook. <laughs> so the Neo's dead. Windows 10X is dead. And they're bringing the Android base over to normal windows 11 it's still only in the developer channel it, it isn't so expect things to change on it um and when the am when the android ecosystem is on it it's going to be via the amazon app store i will expect somebody in split seconds after it launches uh give you an, a standalone one click bang now you have google play on it um, yep, yep. most people i will say this will be upset because they're going to have to rebuy their apps over again if they stick with the Amazon App Store. Um, what I like about it is right now, developers really only focus on Google Play. They put stuff on Amazon App Store, on F-Droid, on the Huawei Store, on the, all these other stores just to have their bases covered, but they're always behind, lacking behind in version numbers. Um, I would like developers to become a little bit more responsible and keep up on their versions on more than just one platform.
1: Yeah, that would be nice. That'd be nice to, to be, well, like, like you said, it's going to be a one click thing that, you know, you're going to have Google play and then, you know, Google's going to try to stop it, but, you know, it's just, I think they'll try to stop it just because it's, you know, it's a lot bigger than just putting Google play on a fire, fire, um, fire tablet, you know?
0: Well, we already have the windows subsystem on Linux, which is basically the Linux kernel running inside of windows. Um which I didn't hear anything about when it comes to Windows 11. I'm pretty sure it's still going to be there. What it also wouldn't shock me if somebody says, look, instead of trying to take over this thing in Windows 11, how about we make a specific Windows subsystem for Linux, which is named incredibly horribly, and then see if we can put it on that way. Sorry, the home mini wouldn't shut up. Um, <laughs>
1: wait, you have? wait, wait, you have a... Uh...
0: Yes. It's on its own network, and every now and then I say play Weird Al Yankovic when I want background
1: I, I, I would expect nothing less from Hodor.
0: But um, um, because here's the thing: if they try to if they try to break the Amazon App Store on Windows with a one-clickable app, the truth is, every month or every X number of months, an update's going to come down and break it. Um, and most people, I don't think, will put up with that. I think they'll get sick and tired and they'll say, fine, I'll just use the Amazon app store and then they'll just complain about it.
1: Yeah. Um, I can't see people really, I don't, like you said, putting it up on the, on the, on the Amazon store, it's always been a third or fourth option. You know, well, maybe a second option. I don't know anything else other than Google play, but then F Droid and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, and then I found out that, I'm actually trying to set up a an Android on my Odroid C2. Um, I don't know if it'll actually work. I've been messing around with uh, putting Android on the computer at the edge of my bed, um, which is, you know, a one that I built in. I cut a hole in the, in the wall, put a touchscreen in there, and then I have a fold-down keyboard. But it, uh, it runs off my Surface Pro 4, which has a bad touchscreen. So it makes a good computer. Um, I'd like to put an Android on it, mainly because then I can look at all my, uh, all my cameras a little bit easier. Um, and I can use one of my favorite Android apps of all time, which is called Iquarium. Um, it is basically a virtual fish that isn't a... It's an, it looks like a real fish. Like, let's, let's just put it that way. And it's been around for like 10 years. Um, it's, I'll have to, I'll, I'll post a link to it. It's, it's really fun, but, uh, it's fun for the cat too, because she likes to paw at it and she doesn't have, you know, she can't get to it, but you know, she can paw at it all she wants.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I will say typically Odroid is good about having, um, alternate in air quotes, operating systems, their devices. If you just go to, yeah. Um, yeah, there, is an Android. Com, it's there.
1: yeah, there is an Android version actually for the C2. I just don't know how old this C2 is and how, you know, I, I think it's a, it may be a quad core. I don't even know. I'll have to look it up, but I don't know if it'll be able to handle much of Android, you know, any, any decent, you know,
0: well, I'll say it was, that was my main, uh, home theater PC and air quotes for like two years. Um, so what I'll say is it's stable. Um, we're up to Android 12. It looks like the newest version is six. So it's not new. Um, I do believe it was like one clickable to get uh, Google Play installed on it. And it will not support like Netflix 4K or YouTube 4K, but everything else in air quotes should work fine is what I'll say.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Um, I have a question, a question about the home theater stuff. Um, What about using a Pi 4 as a home theater? I mean, I know it's being done a lot, but what do you think about it?
0: Um, I definitely think it can work. Um, whenever someone wants to do a home theater, the first thing I always ask them is, "What type of content do you want to use?" Some people only care about Crunchyroll. You know what I mean. Some people only care about Netflix. Some people only care about pirating uh, overseas streams. Some people only care about ripping and burning DVDs and massing massive collections. Um, like my eighteen terabytes. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I'll say <laughs> is, the Raspberry Pi can handle virtually all of them. Um. Uh, when it comes to streaming, it I don't like the built-in Wi-Fi. Uh, if you can Ethernet it, you'll be much more happy. If you can't Ethernet it, I definitely encourage you to get a high-end Wi-Fi dongle that supports literally something like Wi-Fi 6 and have a router and a network that can support Wi-Fi 6. And then it almost doesn't matter what you're streaming, whether it's something pirated from overseas or whether it's something from your local server, uh, you will have near zero issues is what I'll say.
1: Yeah, because I have uh, a Roku right now, one of the good ones, but it's still, it's just, you know, uh, my my thought is either getting a Shield or uh, a Shield TV, like, but that's pretty expensive, um, or making my own, but the good thing about the Shield is you get full Android, um, and the Android Assistant and all that fun stuff, but uh, I don't know, it's 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 been a thought of mine, because I'm Gonna, it, I'm going to set up my Plex again, um, my Plex server to, you know, have all my, my media and stuff, but, you know, then I also got to figure out how to spin them down as soon as uh, the engine starts, spin down the hard drives, because, you know, I don't the hard drives won't survive long driving
0: down the road. Oh, yeah. Even if you're in a Rolls-Royce uh, um, Silver Shadow or whatever, it ain't going to last long. I say that cuz I watched a video where a guy put a coin on the engine block standing up and then he went in and revved the engine and the coin didn't move.
1: Wow, that's, uh, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah,
0: it was crazy. Um it's hard to beat a Shield TV, period. And I say that when I'm the guy who doesn't like to spend a lot of money, but if I had yeah. to have a painless, a completely painless home theater experience that could do almost anything I wanted it to do, it's difficult to beat a Shield.
1: Yeah. Um And I think that's, that's where, that's where my thoughts been going is, uh, you know, just biting the bullet and getting a shield or the shield mini. I probably would get the shield because, you know, it's not that big of a price difference and it's just a good
0: system. Well, I'll say, uh, depending on what you want to stream, uh, further down in the notes, I am blind as a bat. Ah, there it is. I actually have that. 496. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah walmart now the long and short of it is um eta prime is a guy who i trust when it comes to looking at these kinds of pieces of hardware um
1: i do too he's very good
0: well he'll put it through its paces and if it sucks he'll tell you very point blank it sucks um if it's just you and you don't need to have 4k um and you have basic needs of just youtube or just your plex server uh, it's going to be really difficult to beat this super cheap twenty-five dollar dongle. Because for Raspberry Pi, you're going to spend at least twice as much. At yeah. least twice as much. Because oh, yeah. you're gonna need the hardware, the... you're gonna need a cooler, you might need a case, you might need a power supply, you might need a video cable, then you might need a remote, and then you might need a dongle. So right now well, the remote
1: the remote is the biggest issue for me is cause I have a very you know, I don't know what's I don't like the Google uh ChromeCast remote, the the new one with Android TV. I do not like that one. This one actually fits pretty well in my hand because I have this one only the uh, the thirty dollar one, the the brick. Um, I found it. I saw it. It was uh, it was at uh, Walmart, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try it. And you know, it is very good. It's just you know, I'm I'm exploring everything I can. You know.
0: Yeah. ETA Prime said basically for five bucks more, I want to say it's five maybe seven bucks more. If you have to have higher quality, if you have to have something with a snappier interface, go for the higher end one. Um so what I'll say is if you really want to not think about it and just have it work and even have stuff like voice search built in and blah 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 blah, then go to Walmart and get like the thirty dollar TV dongle. If you're okay with low end stuff, because here's the truth my eyes suck. I am perfectly okay if I never see anything in four K in the rest of my life because I don't think I'll be able to identify if it's in four K. Yeah.
1: Yeah I know the feeling.
0: Yeah so I thought that was a pretty good video.
1: Yeah, I'll have to look that one up because I, I I haven't been watching his stuff lately because his videos tend to make me want to go buy things, because um, uh, they're all things that I would want. But uh, but yeah, he, I trust him and he has you know all kinds of you know paces that he runs everything through. You know, if um, I remember right, he did a lot of work on the uh, on the coolers, like the ice tower, the the M, the one, whatever the, the aluminum one that I have. Uh, and the ice tower I just got because of you, Adore. Um, and that, yeah, that ice tower is beautiful.
0: Yeah, they have the normal ice tower, then they have the low profile ice tower. Both of them keep the process from from going above like 35 degrees, I want to say, which is kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't ETA Prime that then posted this one. I can't remember who it was now, but it's in our uh, group chat we have. Um, it's W O R Windows on Raspberry Pi. Uh, I'm sorry, Windows on Raspberry. And it's at worproject.ml is what it looks like. Um, The guy openly admits this doesn't run great. This doesn't run perfect. This doesn't run like, you know, fantastic. But if you need a system that's disconnected from your main system that is running genuine Windows on it, this will enable it to do it. Uh, I will say I was shocked at how the browser was running fine. Uh, Granted, it was only one tab. I know in my Chromebook experience, when you start to go above like, you know, three or four tabs, you definitely start to notice a difference. But if you can keep your browsing to a single tab, it was shockingly good how well Windows can run on this. And I'm pretty sure they only have it up to Windows 10, but they claim that they can run on a Raspberry Pi 2, a 3, or a Raspberry Pi 4, which I will say, if you can get it on 2, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I may have to look into that because uh you know, it just it's fun to fun to check, fun to fun to mess with things. And uh if I remember right, there's also an Android now on Raspberry Pi, right? There's an Android version like a non official, but um an Android nonetheless.
0: Uh there is an Android, it isn't official, and it's because it can't be official because of the closed proprietary nature of the GPU. Um I've heard very mixed results with it is what I'll say. Um Most of the time, I'll say um, RK3399 boards fare a little bit better in their scoring when it comes to Android than that um, Raspberry Pi build. But if you have Raspberry Pi sitting around, it's hard to beat it.
1: Yeah. Um, Looking at uh, number 486, um, the Wise Home Monitoring, it is really good. I have it. I was one of the first people to get it. I I was a beta tester for it. Um, I forgot to mention it to anyone really, but it, I have it for my motorhome, and it works really good for what it is. Only problem was they never sent me an activation code in my email until I had to, I had to, you know, get after them about it. And they had, they sent it through a chat and it was because it was so early. But, uh, as far as setting it up, what they don't tell you about it, um, which I don't think it's in there is that the hub has a, um, the, the main hub has a built-in battery. Um, so you keep it plugged in normally, but if your power goes out, it will stay on for a few days. Um, I noticed that because I unplugged it and I saw the lights going on. I was like, Oh, it's must be a capacitor still running the lights or something. But, uh, no, it was, it was still connected to the internet. It was still connected to everything, which is good for me because mainly because when my, um, if my inverter doesn't kick in right away, which it always does, it'll stay on. Um, but I haven't set it up far enough for them to really monitor my home. I have mainly all my stuff monitoring myself, but disconnected from their home monitoring system or disconnected from their 911 stuff. So Wise is great. Um, only thing I do wish is that they would allow me to um, put my Wise cameras in with my home assistant and be able to monitor them all the time. Um, for those, I have um, EU UFI cameras, which are actually 2K and like $29. Um, I'll post a link to them right now. They're really good. Um, and they come with the uh, the RTSP protocol built into it.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I will say I have mixed feelings about why as a company, only because I'm old. And I remember some of their products back in, like, I guess now it was... 2008 maybe 2006 and they tried to compete with big guys like dell and stuff and it's really it was really difficult to compete with those guys but they've obviously stuck around um so i didn't
1: know they were yeah i didn't even know they were around before their cameras
0: uh they used to make thin client computers um that was their main like draw they would make Instead of spending four or $500 on a desktop, you could spend like 125 for like Windows XP embedded. And um, you would host all of your actual operating systems on like a VMware backend. And the wise thin client would um, be like easier to replace kind of thing. And in a lot of ways, it made sense. And it was supposed to be easier to maintain and stuff. And it kind of wasn't. It was hard to live up to the promises. But here's the thing they've been around for a while. They got that going for them. This isn't like a company who we've never heard of before. N- number 1, okay? Yeah. The last thing I'm going to do is trust the security of anything, my house, my family, my pets, my property, my anything to a company I'm not already intimate with. I'll agree with that. You know what I mean, transmitted diseases come around for sloppy reasons. Um yeah,
1: the, the 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 main reason that I trusted them so quickly with for the home monitoring is cuz I knew I could turn it off. Um and I didn't necessarily need it. But you're right. I, it, it's hard to compete with someone that's not been around. But in my case being, I didn't know they've been around for a long time. So that you know makes me feel better.
0: Well, and I mean, they've had cameras, watches, all these other things for at least a little while. Um, and I don't recall any major breaches, uh, any major uh, security exploits, any major vulnerabilities, any major overtaking of people's infrastructure. I remember yeah. like people's, uh, like baby monitoring things talking at them from people who got onto their network, but I don't think they were wise. So if listener, if I'm wrong, um, very easy, mini PC at send me an email, tell me how I'm wrong, and tell me how um, wise has messed up in the past because I don't think they have. Um, so that's two things they got going for them, but three, um, I hope they don't in you know, six months, eight months to a year and a half decide we're done with this. And then everything people buy is basically like yeah. dead, dead weight. Um, so I hope if it is, if that could be a possibility, at least I hope the hardware is hackable.
1: Well, yes. Um, number one, the hardware is hackable um, as far as physically. Um, you can put a custom firmware on it. They actually have a beta firmware that that released for the, uh, the version two that allowed for RTSP R um, I think it's RTSP. Um, but the thing is, um, they keep going little by little, making these things bigger and bigger. And they're, they're making vacuums. They're making, um, lights that are really neat. Um, like actual, like, uh, floor lights, ones that you put in the middle of your living room. And they're uh, Bluetooth-enabled with uh, a Bluetooth uh, uh, knob.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And I'll say they're at least fairly priced. Um, Very. A lot of other security stuff I see, especially when you go into, like, Costco, big box store, it's literally, like, $400. You get, like, three or four IP cameras uh, and, like, a central box. uh, But then you always have to opt in to some sort of monthly fee where they upload everything to the cloud, which I understand. But... Um, I don't those are companies I've never heard of in my life. so I, I, I like having somebody, at least I recognize jumping into this game. Yeah
1: and uh, for $1.99 a month per camera, you get the you get unlimited uh, cloud upload and watchability anywhere and really good motion and person detection um, which is really neat and they're actually messing with car, truck and license plate detection so that'll be even better.
0: Well, I'll say every day that passes, that stuff should get easier and easier and cheaper and cheaper for anybody to do.
1: Yeah, um, I like the. I would like the idea of being able to drive down the road and have cameras like the uh, like the repo guys, where they have cameras that that just check every license plate. I want to just do that, just to have a um, history of license plates that I've been around, and then if any accident happens, I can pull up. You know. Not only the, when I see the accident, I can, it'll pull up the actual license plate. That's, you know, a pretty far off dream, but I still think it's, it'd be, it'd be really cool to be able to detect license plates and at least log them.
0: Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, the reason why dash cams became so popular was because in other countries, you don't have to have insurance and insurance is done a little bit differently. And people were literally putting um, dash cams on to protect themselves. I have no problem with buying a cheap piece of hardware, putting it in my car, and driving down the street and having it help—in air quotes—protect me. Oh yeah, I
1: have a—I have one dash cam that has gotten me, um, that has helped me in every single one of my recent accidents. Which there's been three in the last four years. Um, all of them, none of them my fault. All of them uh, caught on the on the dash cam, and all of them, uh, the dash cam actually proved that it was that it wasn't my fault. So yeah. That one dash cam has saved saved me multiple
0: times. Very cool. Well, let's go from a company who did something who could be doing something right, who, you know, we kind of trust with doing stuff to the exact opposite. Um, and that is uh, Western Digital. Um, Western Digital confirms my book live drives are being deleted remotely. Okay. Let's take a hard drive company, a company that's really done nothing in their existence that I'm aware of except for hard drives. Yeah. Let's have them buy some crappy FTP slash HTTP software embedded in their device, make your drive then publicly accessible on the internet and trust it.
1: Wow. I, I did not know about this and it, wow.
0: Well, I mean, you know, you might really like Domino's pizza, but would you trust them to make a pacemaker? You know what I mean? That's kind yeah. of their expertise. Yeah, no, you're right. And for someone to buy an external hard drive and then, trust them to do internet security, public facing, public attackable, public serviceable security correctly. Um, especially I believe it's at no price. You literally buy the device and it just works. So yeah. it isn't like you have to ongoing pay for it. Cause if you were continuously paying for it, at least you would then have a clearer right to complain.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's completely nuts. Um, but yeah, it's like Domino's pizza making, you know, you don't take a hardware company and make it a software company.
0: Yeah, and there was lots of beliefs that this was being taken advantage of from a, uh, like, three-year-old vulnerability. I do believe since then, security researchers have said, nope, this is a complete zero day, uh, didn't exist before today. Um, And then when the one person did look at their firmware update, it hasn't been updated since 2015. Um, Now, old, old, cold. I'm going to try to paraphrase Steve Gibson here. Old code always has the possibility to be more secure than new code, only because it's lasted. I think there is some truth to that. I'm also going to paraphrase Mad Dog. Sometimes code doesn't need to be updated if it's done right, and yeah. then sometimes neither are true, and then you have stuff like this happen.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. Um, if if you, damn, that's that's scary, especially with when you buy an external hard drive, it is literally to put things on it that are important and the fact that they're being deleted you know that they're able to get you know that's just nuts
0: yeah and then one more link I have to bring up only because we talked about it a little bit last show we didn't go into a lot of detail last show and that's because it is a touchy subject uh, 486 in the notes um we still in 2021 have complete mental invalid internet personalities. Whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on podcasts, whether it's on blogs, whether it's on tech journal sites that are completely conspiratized a very non-issue. Okay. This is this is if you look up 2021 definition of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, you would be re- redirected to people screaming about how Amazon is sharing your internet with your neighbors. Uh, that's not true, not at all, all remotely, even close to being true, number one. Number two, if you're going to trust a company to have a secure gateway in a device that they made, there's only a few, I think, that could do it right, and it's only because of one big reason. Amazon is a company that does not want bruises. They don't want blemishes on their record. Okay, Every blemish on their record is making Jeff less rich so they're going to be incredibly anal about the security on this thing um it's sharing its internet with other trusted devices for very specific needs uh stacy over at iot who i'll put it like this she is obviously incredibly dedicated to her craft number one number two she's also not stupid whatsoever Personality wise, I have got to speed her up. She just takes too long to say what she's saying, but she is from Texas. So I guess she will have that. Um, This was a good article over on Stacey on IoT, uh, planning on rejecting Amazon sidewalk. Do it for the right reasons. Um, The reasons are quite literally, you don't want to partake in the Amazon ecosystem. That's the gist of it. If you don't want to partake in the Amazon ecosystem, don't have an Alexa. Don't have a dot. Don't have a fire tablet. Don't have any of those things. And then you won't have to worry about these kinds of things. Um, But I thought she did a really good job of explaining the real justifiable reasons of why not to partake in this ecosystem. But she said for her own good, um, she has Amazon products and she's going to leave it enabled because it's not going to use a lot of bandwidth. It's not invading her privacy whatsoever. And if her internet goes down, maybe her neighbors will be able to help her out. And if her neighbor's internet goes out, maybe she can help them. Um, Dare I say it's almost a good way of doing it. And again, if you listen to Steve Gibson, he's a guy who literally picks apart protocols like a good security researcher does and not tech journalists and not bloggers and not YouTube personalities. He's a guy who literally picks apart protocols and actually understands the sin and the act of SSL handshaking, okay? Um, 99% of the tech journalists and YouTubers you watch, they don't even know what a SIN or an act is. Okay, So I trust experts, and the experts I know are telling me this is a very non-sequitur, non-issue. Uh, if you want to raise this as an issue, you literally don't understand how technology works.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I like this article a lot. Um, it's very, very good at just pointing out the reasons and saying, well, this is why. Not, it doesn't say you're wrong. It says this is the other side of it. You know what I mean? This is why you are incorrect.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of big companies being like blindly in my network kind of thing. Um, If I had an Amazon device and knowing what I know now, I almost wouldn't care if this thing was turned on. Um, I, granted, might be interested. It might run a sniffer on it, but I don't think I would get anything yeah. worthwhile out of it.
1: Yeah, with with how easy it is to make a make a Wi-Fi sniffer, um, especially with like the ESP 32s um, it's it's not smart of a company to try to do. Now this kind of goes back to you know companies that that pull data that they shouldn't. Um, it's not smart because sniffers are are so easy to make, and you can do so much with the data that I I haven't messed with a sniffer for ten years back in high school, but. With Even back then, you could get almost everything. You know, I mean, encrypted data, yes, but you can tell where it goes.
0: Yep, yep. Um, one more thing I have to mention, and I was, this is the kind of thing, oh man, I really do have such mixed feelings about this. Um, I'm a guy who believes if you bought a television slash DVD slash VCR combo, you're just asking for issues. You're asking for problems because once one thing breaks, everything goes to hell in the handbasket, and you now have nothing. That's worth any value kind of thing. Um, Yeah. But uh, 487 in the notes is the kind of thing that I saw, and dang it, I would like to have one. Um, It's by a company called uh, QGEM. QGEM, I guess it's called. I already have one of their USB-C hubs. It basically just has USB-C connecting to my laptop, then it has USB 2.0A, 3.0A, and HDMI out, and it works on almost every system I've ever plugged it into. It just works. What this is, this is a 11 port hub, from from um, you know gigabit down to VGA, everything in between, and it's built into a keyboard. So quite literally, this is like a mobile hub that duplicates as a keyboard.
1: Okay, that's cool. That's that is. Although there is one problem I see with it is um, I actually just got a USB-C. Um, 11 and one um, with three monitors for this setup for my uh, for my laptop. I don't know if I would want the keyboard in my drawer because then you have to have all the wires in there too. You yeah, know, I mean, in my but it is super cool.
0: I mean, it's the it's the kind of thing. It, there's some really good ideas about it. It will save desk space. Um, it's going to be really compatible with a broad spectrum of hardware. I have no problem in believing that. That's two HDMI and vga and it has a usb uh c it also has usb 3 which i believe you can also do video out from usb 3 um yeah even it's stupid things like a headphone jack in it the issue is like what if one key on the keyboard breaks
1: yeah no that's true
0: you know um if it comes with like two years warranty or something like that i would feel incredibly better about it um there is something that I just have an affliction towards. I have a gadgety addiction to condensing things down into smaller, tighter packages. And I will say again, I've had really good experience with this company. I want to say I bought two pieces of hardware from them in the past. Q G E E M. Um, this is too much money. I want to say it's $200, Um, but it's the kind of thing I wouldn't keep my eyes on it. Um, uh, $100. Oh,
1: sorry. Um, yeah. I was going to say Banggood. Yeah.
0: So maybe if it comes down, you know, to like 60, I might pop for it.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I see what I was thinking about before was putting everything through it, but using it as not so much a video, if I just used it as um, minus the video output with the SD cards, I could flash my uh, Raspberry Pi stuff, having the USB port. okay. now I'm kind of thinking about it. The only other problem is, You know, I like my RGB keyboards, but this is really cool. This might, this would be really good for my uh, back computer.
0: And see, you pointed out one of the things it didn't have. If this thing had a backlit keyboard where it was,
1: oh man, that
0: would be, mm, yeah,
1: mm. no, I I was looking at that and I I had to mention it to you. I knew you, I knew you were waiting for me too.
0: I know because if it had all that and the color changing backlit keyboard, I think I would have already taken the white credit card and said, I'm sorry, I didn't need to use that card.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. If, if And that's what I like about, it. I have a, I have a steel series, which is, you know, not very special, but, um, it does have, you know, the, the little OLED screen and it does have a USB 2.0, um, pass through, which is nice. You know, I plug my mouse into it when it needs to charge and, you know, all that fun stuff. But having this would be, I might just build this by itself with a, um, keyboard. Dock into it, where you have the, where you have all the all the ports right there. But then you have a, you can put whatever keyboard you want into it. I think that would be pretty neat, because people are very in particular about their keyboards, and I'm one of them.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, um, I do want to bring two like quick back-to-back notes. Um, one of them appears to be negative in the beginning, and then starts to sway toward a little positive by the end. Uh, And then the second one starts out positive and then sways towards negative at the end. Um, This one's from Gizmodo. Uh, The smart home isn't worth it. Uh, They basically go through their little ordeal of going from like a studio apartment, going into a real house. And then when they get to the real house, trying to, you know, figuring out it really isn't worth me to take the time to pull out all these smart light bulbs and get everything set up. Because by the time I do, I'm going to figure out I got to upgrade the hub. I got to upgrade this, I got to upgrade that to get it to work right. And I think to a degree they're right. Uh, I also think to a degree they're right in saying, why on earth would I have a smart light bulb? And why not give me a smart socket or a smart lamp? Because I don't have to replace them as often and then just give me stupid light bulbs and it'll be much cost-inducive in the future. Um, Also, they are worrying about future upgradability and having to replace big, huge chunks and reprogram things. In the meantime, which I think there's a lot of truth to, um, you also say to like have everything in air quotes, as smart as it can be, which he, they say is not very smart at all. And I do agree required something like 20 apps to be installed on their phone, which I think is a bit of a stretch from the truth, but whatever. Um, I do think today's smart home is not even as smart as a chimp with brain damage. Um, I understand people finding usefulness in sections and in parts, but it's just, you know, semi-automation. It's not there
1: yet. Yeah, it's, it's automation more than anything. It's it's not even full automation. Well, it's, and, you know.
0: yeah, it's getting really close to full automation. But then when it does yeah, do it full is. automation, you're going to find X number of times it's going to do something that you don't want it to do because it's fully automated. Yeah. Uh, but then at the very end, they say, but there is light on the horizon. And that is if everyone continues to pick up on matter uh matter is the new protocol like moving forward is the way i'll put it um where we had uh we have zigbee we have z-wave we have all these other things matter is trying to condense all of those things into a single protocol now the hope is you buy a matter hub in the in the middle and then quite literally when you want to upgrade to a faster network you just upgrade a dongle on the device uh Hopefully we'll come out with more smart sockets for your light bulbs instead of smart light bulbs, which will make also much easier because then it's just built into your electrical system. And with matter, you literally just plug it into a wall and it can communicate those things. Um, everybody seems to be on board with matter. Everybody, Google, Apple, Amazon, IKEA, everybody seems to be on board with matter. So I do think matter has a good possibility of being an air quote, the smart home, in two to three years from now and for it to last at least five years past that is what i'll say
1: yeah um it's a good i mean it's a it's a very good idea because like you said i mean just just in my rv i have probably seven eight maybe nine different types different types of um just protocols or types of of networks or you know just different things that don't all communicate but the other thing being, I do have Home Assistant, which can connect them all. But if this Matter comes out, it would be even easier to connect everything.
0: Well, and I guarantee you, when Matter is full-blown, uh, Home Assistant will definitely take advantage of
1: it. Oh, yeah. And if, if not uh, sooner, you know.
0: Right. Um, and then right on its heels, we had another announcement. Uh, Aqua, A-Q, Aquar, I don't know, A Q. A R A. Pronounce it however you see fit. Um, this is a smart home hub with extremely extensible parts. Um, where you can easily connect it to appliances, lights, cameras, hubs, push button like sensors for like one-off kind of technology kind of thing, and it costs a lot less than all the competitors, and it says it will work with Amazon, Alexa, Google Assistant, and Apple Home Kit. And I'm 99% sure. It's 100% fully home kit accessible, too. Um, They would not commit, though, to whether or not they were going to be able to make this device um, matter compatible. So that's where it, like, bombs off the end. Like, the camera hub uh, is $64. The wireless remote, um, uh, 25 euros. Smart wall switch, 40 euros, which is around 30 bucks, I believe. Uh, smart plug $29, door and window sensor $17, water leak sensor $18, vibration sensor $19, motion sensor $20, temperature and humidity sensor $19. So it's like an extreme broad range of products seem most of them seem fairly priced. Um, I just really hope in the future that they actually come out with matter support is what I'll say.
1: Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, what's what's kind of cool is that it, it it's very inexpensive because just a Zigbee um, USB dongle for my Raspberry Pi was 40 bucks. Um, this water sensor, I've been kind of looking into a lot of different water sensors lately because uh, you know I I live in an RV. You know, I have uh, I have my water my my uh, my water uh, tank is actually in the RV. Um, and I don't really want it to leak. It would be nice if I had uh, a water sensor underneath there that are down there that that would tell me if if it, you know, leaked.
0: Right, right. Uh, and honestly, I will say um, all of this hardware at least looks attractive. Um, it's just you know simple and plain looking, but it could look ugly and it doesn't look ugly. So hopefully it's the kind of thing that might gain some kind of traction.
1: Yeah, it looks pretty good.
0: OK, are uh, there any other topics you want to uh, cover?
1: I think I'm good for now. Um, Everything, uh, everything I have been doing has been uh, pretty small lately. So I'll have more. I'll have more soon.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, We did have one email, but I will say it was from months and months and months ago. I just saw it. Uh, I have to sit down and do some research on it to give a proper answer. Uh, So I'll share it with Brett and Rich and hopefully next year we'll be able to address it. Um, If you want to support us easy, just click on the notes, patreon.com slash the mini PC show. If you want to send us an email, it's very easy, mini PC at ponus.com. If you want to join us on chat services, uh, just let me know. Send me an email, mail at uh, ponus.com or mini PC at ponus.com. And we can uh, figure out which platform is the easiest for all of us to join. Um, Is there any uh, party merge you have there, Brett? Um, Other
1: than... Just, uh, I have, I have a, uh, an Instagram that I've been posting some stuff on. So I'll have door posted in the, um, in the, in the chat or whatever. It's just some stuff that I've been doing with, with mini, mini PC and, uh, like uh, IOT stuff. So it's all stuff in my RV. So it's been fun, but that one's, uh, I think it's, what is it? 8 bit GMC, all one word. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Uh, thanks everyone for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, Thanks, uh, Red, Rich, Charles, Captain Zero, everyone for coming out to the live show. Uh, We hope to talk to everyone again real soon.
1: Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast on the PodNuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology related. You can find us on iTunes and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher.
0: We hope you take a listen and let us know what you think.